0: Hello beautiful people. It is Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. Yesterday I caused quite a little stir by reiterating my NFL overtime rules adjustment tie. Place that in right now. The overtime. On Get Up This Morning and on other occasions on this show, I have fixed the overtime problem. Last year, Patrick Mahomes didn't even get a chance to get back on the field because the overtime went down and scored on the first drive. This year, Drew Brees doesn't even get a chance to get back on the field. There's no rebuttal like in beer pong with the overtime rules. If you lose coin toss, that offense scores You're crap out of luck. Our answer is this. You play an extra 10-minute quarter. Yes, full classic football. Tackling snapping, throwing, catching, running, kicking, and after that 10-minute quarter, whoever's in the lead wins. If it's tied, guess what? We have more. We have a two-point conversion shootout. Sudden death style. One offense and one defense is on the one side. One offense and one defense is on the other side. This side goes, if they score and this team doesn't score, congratulations, game over. If they both score, let's do it again. If they both don't score, let's do it again. Three max. Think about that moment. If one side doesn't score, the other side does score. Them sprinting to each other in the middle of the field. Grand celebration as if it was a penalty kick shootout in soccer, sprinting, yelling, we did it, we did it. We played five quarters, we couldn't find a victor, but our two-point conversion shootout sudden death victory was awesome. Let's say after three, we don't have an outright winner. Let's say they both scored all three times, they both didn't score all three times, it doesn't matter how it happens, there's three. Now what do you do, Pat? Why have the answer for you? Have you ever heard Alexander Hamilton? do you know what alexander hamilton created it was the duel after those two-point conversions if we still don't have a victor after five quarters if we still don't have a victor after three two-point conversion shootout sudden death style type things you go to a kicker duel each team's kicker and his holder go out from the 50 well it's from the 40 but it's a 50-yard kick one kicker kicks it if he makes it the other kicker must make it If he does, they back up to the 55. If they both miss, they stay there. If one makes it and one misses it, he's the winner. If they both make it after three attempts, no worries, we have an answer. Now you bring out a non-kicker to come kick an extra point, and whoever can win, wins the game. You're welcome, Goodell. Just like on Get Up, just like on this show, we fix the NFL overtime. People from all over reacted to that. All over. ESPN pushed it because I said it on GetUp as well. was very thankful for the reaction. It was pretty crazy. Had a lot of people tell me, well, tell them not to suck asshole game and then they don't have to worry about what happens in overtime. Well, obviously. I mean, we're in overtime, so let's assume that neither team played well enough to win it in regulation. (laughs) Those people are my favorite. Those are the same people that normally aren't the biggest fans of mine. Those people. Very reasonable individuals, you know, good personality, stuff like that. But I got a lot of people that said, hey, good fucking idea. And I agree, man. I really do. I think that'd be so entertaining. Think about now the extra 10 minutes of football. Obviously, good. You know, it's just, it's football. And people, might think that 10 minutes might be too long and might extend, it might be an extra half hour of play or whatever. Yeah, maybe, but it already happens anyways. The extra overtime is 15 minutes. This is 10 minutes now, you know? Five minutes shorter. And we get real football there. And for the gamblers, I mean, for the gamblers, like let's say you you bet the Saints this weekend and it was seven and a half. Going in overtime, everybody knew that bet the Saints, they were fucked. Game over. Game, set, match, Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer already beat you. But with classic football being played out for a full 10 minutes, it could be a pick six in there. It could be a touchdown field goal in there. He could potentially cover. Good news. Now the gamblers are still in it. Now if it's tied after all that, I think it's just a push. Gambling wise. Because you can't. Well, I guess you could. I guess you could say one team scored in the two-point conversion shootout. I guess you could say one team won by two. Gamblers still alive. I mean, not the six and a half, obviously, but two-point differential could still happen. And if it's tied after the two-point, but think about just for a moment. By the way, if there's like a uh, a defensive stand on one side, them waiting. For their offense on the other side to score. That moment of sprinting towards each other at the 50. Just pumped up about it. The crowd could be losing their minds at the end of a game. Brings the energy into the, the celebration, which is always beautiful. Good for the fans. And if it's tied after the two-point shootout, you to the old kicker duel. The old kicker duel. This happens at kicking camps everywhere. Kickers line up right next to each other. They both kick. Then they back up five yards and back up five yards. It's awesome to watch. Couldn't even fathom it in front of seventy thousand people. Just those two dudes out there with a holder, all by themselves. All right. Good luck, pal. Game on the line here. Every single kick. Could bring out the best in people. Could also bring out the worst. What it will bring out is a legendary moment if they both make all three. Because then it goes to non-kicking positions, kicking field goals. And that, my friends, is going to be wild. An offensive lineman kicking a game-winning field goal in the NFL? Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And if we get to that point, by the way, with the regular NFL rules... In the regular season. It would have already been a tie. So at least we got a winner. Somebody gets to jot it down. And they don't have to have the dash one at the end. Like the Lions and Cardinals did. I just think it could be fun. I think it would be a good time. could be a good time. But. It'll never happen. Good day on the internet though. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This show is brought to you by SeatGeek. The greatest ticket buying platform on planet earth. And. I'm walking around my house aimlessly all by myself. You would think one of the seven animals here would have said the moon by now, damn it. The moon. If you're going to buy tickets here or on the moon, you better use Sea Geek because they're scanning all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value for every ticket that you purchase. And right now, use promo code PAT, get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. Holy shit. It's craziness. Shout out to SeatGeek. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with SeatGeek. Also, although the Philadelphia Eagles lost, they had a hell of a run. Banged up team. Carson Wentz gets injured. That's kind of all she wrote. Shout out Josh McCown, though. 40-year-old out there. Got the sniper on his hamstring, but finished that game strong. Thought they were going to potentially win it. But they didn't. And now you need to know that in Philadelphia, there's somebody that's winning all the time. I've heard about this guy for years, and I've been telling you all about his diamonds. If you've ever been to Philly, you've seen the billboards, you've heard it on the radio. I hate Steven Singer. He's been making it too easy to buy gifts for over four decades. I know we just made it through Christmas and the new year, but Valentine's Day is on deck right around the corner. You're probably thinking, I'll just get her flowers again, but flowers die and end up in a trash can within a week. Give her a gift that will last as long as your love will. A real 24 karat gold-dipped rose from Stephen Singh Jewelers. Picture this. A real long stem rose preserved and dipped in 24 karat pure gold. This real rose will last forever and comes with a lifetime guarantee shipped for free in a beautiful gift box with your own personalized message of love. You're a romantic son of a bitch now. These roses won't wilt or die, don't even need water, and will remind you each and every day of your love. If this is your first... Steven's Signature Red Rose is a classic and only 59 bucks. Go online to IHateStevenSinger.com, click on the roses and become a hero this Valentine's Day. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Stephen Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. The roses are beautiful. I got some for Sam. I look like goddamn P.S. I love you romantic guy. It's good stuff, you can do the same with them. They look a lot cooler. Than you could ever fathom, too. Real roses dipped in gold. Let's go. Let's talk about this wild card weekend. We'll talk about Mike McCarthy being the Dallas Cowboys head coach. And hey, now I think it's a great hire if McCarthy and Jerry can get along. A lot of reports have come out from Peter King, by the way, saying that Jerry is not that dictatorship that everybody thinks he is. He's actually let off the reins a little bit. He's been in the – Peter King said, I've been in the room during drafts where Jerry says, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to do? Hey, I've built this company up from uh, nothing to $5 billion. Hey, I've won Super Bowls here. Hey, I own this whole Bank, but what what do you want to do? Jerry has that ability, I guess, which is good, because I think Mike McCarthy can be a little hard-nosed sometimes, which that team is going to need. We'll get to that in a few minutes, especially whenever Anthony DiGiglio last week at Tone Diggs on our show said that he thought that Jason Garrett was potentially crying in his meetings with Jerry Jones. That's why Jerry couldn't fire him because he viewed him like he was his son. Turns out that might have been true. not too far off. Everybody knows that whenever you're trying to break up with somebody or whatever it is and they start bawling right in your face, you have a little sense of, oh, I can't do it now. I'll text you. (laughs) I guess that was actually happening between Jerry and Jason Garrett. Diggs will call in with all the updates about what McCarthy brings to the Dallas Cowboys, where Jason Garrett goes now, and how he views those conversations going. Let's move forward to what wildcard weekend was. A lot of chat about that Vikings-Saints game, not only because it went to overtime and the overtime rules the way they are, didn't let us see Drew Brees get out there and, like beer pong, get a rebuttal against that Kirk Cousins offense that threw a home to Adam Thielen, who had a rough first quarter but came back in a massive way. I'm happy for the Vikings. Mm -hmm. The Vikings, everybody knows, we've talked about it, week four had a full, colossal public meltdown. Adam Thielen, who's a very fiery character, he's a very competitive person. He has to be that way to get him to the place that he is. He was an undrafted guy who had to go to a regional combine. He ran a 4-4, gets a job with the Vikings, becomes a superstar. Nobody ever gives him enough credit for being an athlete. He's always crafty or sneaky athletic. Has become a big part of it. After week four, he said, basically, this offense stinks. He came out in a fit of frustration and said that this offense stinks. Then Stephon Diggs skipped practice on Wednesday because Kirk Cousins on the Kirk Cousins show apologized to Adam Thielen, didn't apologize to Stephon Diggs. We'll talk about Stephon Diggs on the sideline of a game that you're winning in a game that your stats literally don't count. Like, Stephon Diggs' stats from yesterday's game will never be counted. Ever. Like Adam Vinatieri's all-time leading scorer, they don't count playoff points. He would have got that record like 10 years ago if that was the case. So your stats don't matter. You're in the lead in Superdome in a game where you're a dog, big-time dog, and you're still throwing your helmet and acting a fool. That's tough to handle. Interesting. It's very interesting. Kirk Cousins had to deal with that. Kirk Cousins had to deal with all the talk all year by us and by everybody that he just can't do it. He's worth $84 million guaranteed, and he just hasn't been able to show up in the big moments. Primetime Kirk gets born down there in Jerry World against the Dallas Cowboys. He kind of laid an egg against the Packers, but here he is in New Orleans at the Superdome, and he—Dalvin Cook— is a weapon. And I know that they have that other running back who's a rookie who's also very talented and gets yards. But Dalvin Cook, when he's on the field, everybody on the defense has their eyes open for number 33. Everybody has their eyes open for the guy from Florida State who hadn't been able to stay healthy until this year. Everybody has their eyes on the guy who every time he gets, he looks like he's running straight up and down and somehow runs over people, runs around people, and picks up eight yards. So that type of running back, when he's on the field, allows Kirk Cousins to pick apart defenses. And when Kirk can do that, and when he's not overthinking, and he's getting a chance to let it loose, that Vikings team was fun to watch. And down goes Drew Brees in another walk-off touchdown for Saints fans to be heartbroken but also conflicted because it sure did look like it was a potential push-off by Kyle Rudolph that wasn't even paused to be reviewed. I don't think they overturn it if they review it. I don't think it was uh, egregious enough to overturn it. But the thought that they didn't even take a second just to be like, we will review this because just a year ago, this rule was yeah. instituted because of your team getting screwed. We optically, we will look at this just to see if there's anything. Instead, you got Mike Pereira saying, uh, this looks like an offense pass interference to me. And then you have them going straight to, nope, game's over. Wasn't offense pass interference. Don't need to look at it any longer. See you later. This game's over. Saints fans pissed. Vikings fans, monkeys off Kirk Cousins back there excited. I don't think they overturned whatever the call was on the field. They didn't call offensive pass interference. I don't think they overturn it. If it was called offensive pass interference, I don't think they overturned it. But congrats to the Vikings and the Saints. Another heartbreaker to end their season. It's going to be tough to survive another offseason. Whenever three straight years, the Minneapolis Miracle, the Phantom no-call on pass interference. Then they're saying another Phantom no-call on pass interference. The Drew Brees-led Saints just can't catch a break in the in in the offseason or in the playoffs, and here we go. Now Kirk Cousins is moving forward with the Vikings.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure that, the you know, Riveron and the NFLPA, or not the NFLPA, but the the refs, th- they just love sticking it to New Orleans at this point. I, I really think that's part of it, you know, because like you said, they, they there was no discussion, not of it. even mean, a
0: thought. They, he, he said that we looked at it. Fox was very good at getting us our angles. We saw it, and we we decided it wasn't going to be over. It's like just give a just a, for optics, just for the Saints fans, just slow it down and take a little peeky at it, just so they know, like hey, they did their due diligence, as opposed to Cameron Jordan, all pro stud. By the way, he said that as soon as it was called, the restaurant off the field yeah. gone. Not even a thought of reviewing it. That's not a good look for the NFL.
1: No, and I mean, so yeah, you can you can really point to that. But also the the Vikings outplayed the Saints. Oh yeah, that defense, unreal. Made Drew Brees look amateur. Exactly. They they haven't turned the ball. They had eight turnovers the whole year, the least in the NFL. They had two yesterday. Third down efficiency, they, they were, what, 48%, which was third in the NFL this year. They were four for 11. Cousins, on his own, was 9-12 to 12 on third down for 108 yards and picked up eight first downs. I mean, that's that's how you win football games.
0: Nine third downs, Drew Brees dropped back to pass. He only completed two of them. Yeah. That is not Drew Brees' football. That is not what the Saints do. Michael Thomas, I, he had some catches but didn't have the massive day that he always has. It's just it's one of those games where Drew Brees did not look his best. mm The Vikings' defense looked like they looked in the first half of the season. Now, you got to remember, in the first half of the season, the Minnesota Vikings' defense was ranked third overall. You had the Niners, the Patriots, and the Vikings' defenses were winning them games. Because the offense wasn't as great for the Vikings, they were relying all on Dalvin Cook. They weren't throwing the ball to any of their weapons at all. Rudolph wasn't getting rocked. Diggs wasn't getting rocked. Thielen wasn't getting rocked. They were upset. That's why the public meltdown happened. But that defense was carrying that team for the first half of the year. And then they fell apart. See you later. Goodbye. But it doesn't matter what happens during the regular season. Who can get hot during the playoffs? And it feels as if this Vikings defense, if they can play like they played against Drew Brees, who is a buzzsaw. That offense, Sean Payton's brain with his Jordans on. I love the swag from Sean Payton, by the way. I absolutely love it. If they can stop that team, they have to feel like they can stop anybody. And that's a good feeling to have, especially when your quarterback has now this weight off his shoulders mm-hmm. in overtime on the road seven and a half point dog you're able to lead your team down the field with a drop in a bucket I mean that was a perfect throw Adam Thielen's catch was next level yeah. I mean that he can't even see that ball when it's coming down because of the way the helmet is he but he dropped that thing in a bucket Kirk Cousins feeling good the defense is feeling good Bailey's kicking well Colquitt's punting well that Vikings team A team that I think everybody – we didn't think they were going to do it. We thought the Saints were going to win by 20. Mm -hmm. I hammered the Saints minus 7.5. I'm like, that's – I don't even think that's enough. I almost took an alternate line that was like minus (laughs) 10.5 because of how that Saints offense had been playing and how that defense had been playing. Demario Davis is this guy I never heard of before this year. He was a baller. Instead now, it's like, wait a minute. Is this Vikings team hot? Is this Vikings team a team that has potential of going to the Niners and making something happen? I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe the Vikings can go into Santa Clara. And although George Kittle is an absolute game wrecker, George Kittle is a stud, a savage, he's hilarious, all those things. But they were able to make Michael Thomas look like a a, a good wide receiver. I would assume that Zimmer, who who started—by the way, here's a little fun fact. We like those. Mike Zimmer started coaching in 1979. Kyle Shanahan was born in 1979. Okay, so we got Kyle Shanahan, this young wizard of an offensive coordinator. Everybody knows that. From his PowerPoint presentation to get out of Cleveland to Atlanta to leading Matt Ryan, who looks like a very average quarterback, to an MVP year to the Super Bowl, now to the to the Niners where he's led this team, and they're undefeated for a long time. I mean, he's, he's a wizard on the offensive side of the ball. He's a great head coach. He... Kyle Shanahan's taking on Mike Zimmer, and I am excited for that matchup. I'm excited to see if this Vikings defense can repeat the performance that they just put up. And I think, honestly, the Vikings have a chance to win this game, and then the Vikings, obviously, are going to have to stare down a barrel of whoever wins Seattle Green Bay. This NFC, which we thought was going to be Saints, this NFC that we thought was going to be this highly powerful offensive games, with the quick little Vikings defense wins a game— Niners' defense is going to have to win a game, and the Packers' defense is going to have to get to Russell Wilson because that deep ball could be a real threat with D.K. Metcalf going against the Packers, who are the worst-ranked deep ball defense team in the playoffs right now. Yeah.
1: I would mentioned this to you before we went on the show. I'm really not as worried about that game uh, as I would be in the past, I think. And I think the big thing, I mean, we, we'll get into it later, I'm sure, when we talk about it, the Seahawks don't really pressure the quarterback that well. They had 28 sacks this year. That was worse than... Aaron has time. Exactly. And, you know, maybe they are rationing it up another level in the playoffs, but I think yesterday was more indicative of... No, they had seven sacks. I know. I think that's more indicative of Philly's line being really banged up, and you get McCown in there, he's just kind of... in decisive on some of, you know, I mean, he got sacked like four times where it's like he probably could have gotten it away, he could have found someone, but he just, you know, didn't trust it maybe enough, so... It, but you're right. Whoever pressures the quarterback more in that game, that's that's going to decide who wins. The AFC side
0: saw an upset. Uh, yeah, I think so. A pretty big upset mm-hmm. when the Titans traveled into Gillette Stadium in Foxborough in Derrick Henry in Ryan Tannehill in Mike Vrabel's big brain Belichicking Belichick towards the end of that. In Brett Kern took down the Patriots in the Wild Card Division, a game that the Patriots hadn't played since 2009. Their earliest exit. From the playoffs in a long, long time. Their quarterback is no longer on under contract. He almost looked relieved in the press conference after the game. All year he's looked beat up. He's looked emotional. He's looked depressed. After this loss to the Titans, it was almost like he looked relieved. And if you look back just a few weeks ago, he was literally looking at the wide receiver saying, "I need you to be faster. I need you to be quicker. I need you to be more explosive." That never happened. The Patriots-Titans game was just a microcosm of the Patriots' season. The only thing that was missing was a big special teams play. And instead, the Titans got one of those with Brett Kern being a monster. The defense kept them in the game. The offense just couldn't do a damn thing. And if you're a quarterback of a team where you have no weapons and you feel as if you're just drowning out there, especially at the end of the best dynasty in the history of sports, you can't help but wonder where Tom Brady's going to be next year. On October 24th, we made the declaration that we think the Chargers would be a good home for him. I think the way this is going to go is Tom Brady's going to say this. I would like to be a Patriot. I love the New New England Patriots. He said, I love playing for Kraft. I love playing for Belichick. He said all the right things with his little uh, beanie on, Mm -hmm. looking younger than ever. I don't know how he does it. TB12 treatment. (laughs) I think he's going to say, I need more weapons. I need to be promised that this offense can at least function without me having to make magical play after magical play after magical play. I'm 42 years old. I'd like a little bit of help. And if they can't promise him that, I think Tom Brady is okay going somewhere else. I do believe this is potentially a leverage ploy by Tom Brady to not only get money because Tom Brady is owed all the money in the world. He's the best quarterback of all time. Everybody who knows football will say that. But I think this is for him to think about a way to restock that offense so that he can be the great Tom Brady we all know him as. Now, there's a lot of Patriots fans that are in complete denial. They think that his contract being up, which was his choice, by the way, he opted out of it. They think that since the Patriots are out in the wild card, not a problem, we'll be back next year. I think there's a lot of drama and controversy cooking behind the scenes that these mass holes do not want to realize. We have one of those on the line, good friend of ours, man from the show, Boston Connor, Mr. Connor, what are your thoughts on the entire Patriots dynasty, the greatest dynasty in all of sports, potentially being done with and in the rearview? Spaceships don't come equipped with rearview mirrors. They dip. It's almost like the rocket ship has dipped from New England and a dynasty is going to be built somewhere else now that Tom Brady is probably heading to a new home.
2: Hey, look, when, when you have Bill Belichick, a.k.a. Han Solo, piloting the Millennium Falcon that is this dynasty, <laughs> we always have a chance now Brady does need some weapons that's why he's asking for him and what better way for Bill to go back into the lab have more time now to prepare for the draft just like he did in 2009 have one of his best drafts in 2010 do not give Bill
0: more time that will only carry this dynasty for another 10 more years so you think they lost on purpose so Bill can get more time studying and scouting younger players so that they can have a better draft to bring in more weapons for Tom Brady? I mean, you can't win the Super Bowl every year. I know going in every year, we expect it, but when, and when we
2: don't, when it doesn't happen, the whole world explodes and the dynasty ends. But now we're giving Bill Belichick more time. This is exactly what the NFL didn't want to do. The NFL should want the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl every year so that they have a chance to not reload the way we're going to now. And we're going to go out and get a free agent like AJ Green, maybe Austin Hooper,
0: a guy that Brady will love to have next year. AJ Green would be a hell of a weapon up there for Tom, but do you think that Bill Belichick understands that this is his fault that the Patriots aren't good because he is the general manager? Do you think Bill Belichick has it in his soul to not be the one to say, "Hey, Tom's offense was terrible, our defense was good," instead of thinking, "You know what? Maybe I didn't put enough weapons around Tom Brady. Maybe whenever I let Josh Gordon go now, who obviously has failed another test and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, maybe I didn't bring in enough weapons." Do you think Bill Belichick is humble enough? The same guy that is completely okay releasing an all-Pro player two years before they're done instead of holding on until they're done you think Bill Belichick is gonna look in the mirror and say this is my fault and not Tom Brady's fault and you think that conversation is gonna end positively uh, I think any conversation that Bill has with himself
2: always ends positively so if he's looking in the mirror <laughs> uh, he's definitely he's definitely ending it with a smile I mean we know Bill he's a, he's a he's a charismatic guy uh, but I do think that you know, at the end of the season here, Belichick does have to realize maybe I did maybe I did leave Brady out to dry a little bit here and going forward that won't happen again. We we won't be signing guys that are going to be failing drug tests. We'll be signing guys
0: like AJ Green who now just want to win. Do you think Tom Brady is a Patriot next year or do you not think Tom Brady's a Patriot and does it matter to the Patriots if Tom Brady's a quarterback?
2: Look, it's been my life's greatest honor to watch Tom Brady play football for the New England Patriots. If if it was the last game that we saw him in a Patriots uniform, Kumaya, I, I love him to death. I hope him. I wish him all the best success. With that being said, having a head coach and having a culture is the most important part of a dynasty. As long as we have Bill Belichick, we will be
0: okay. All right. Thank you, Connor. Appreciate you. Go, go back to whatever false reality you live <laughs> in. Unbelievable. Um, I think that is the notion, though, of a lot of Patriots fans. Yes, they love Tom Brady. Love him. You saw that whenever the Deflategate thing was happening. I mean, they're ready to go to war for Tom Brady at the drop of a hat. But if Bill Belichick's still in charge up there, the mindset, as it should be, is, hey, we could put anybody there to win. Rex Ryan said this morning on Get Up that he got the chance to obviously play against Tom Brady-led Patriots a lot. Anytime Tom Brady played, they got smoked. The one time Tom Brady didn't play, they shut him out. Just because Tom Brady has that veteran experience where he knows what everybody's supposed to do, knows what's going on, and he can make every single throw, and he has that cool, calm sense about him where nothing is too big for him. I honestly didn't think he sweat for the first 15 years of his career because his eye black was always completely perfect. Now, the Matt Castle situation is a whole other story. Matt Castle came in there and won 11 games. Mm -hmm. Matt Castle didn't win a single game after leaving the Patriots, so in their eyes it's like, hey, as long as we have Belichick, we'll be able to figure it out. They're almost okay if Tom Brady leaves. Thank you for everything. We'll move on to the next guy. But in my eyes, if Tom Brady doesn't get the weapons that he's promised... If Tom Brady doesn't have the people around him that he thinks he needs to win in New England and not be knocked out in a wild card or lose to Ryan Fitzpatrick yet again or something like that, I think Tom Brady's going to go shop a little bit. I think he's going to, for the first time in 20 years, he's going to get a chance to feel people want him. He's going to get a chance to... Feel the the feeling of being recruited. He's going to get a chance to go see how other facilities are. Is the grass greener somewhere else? Definitely not. I I mean, the New England Patriots are the dynasty, the greatest sports of all time. But could he go somewhere like the people, like the setup, like the environment, like the neighborhood that he's in, potentially Los Angeles with the Chargers? Understand that he becomes the face of a franchise for a team that is dying in a city that needs football to do well in. Understand that a franchise couldn't sell out an MLS stadium. But if Tom Brady's there, there's a lot of front runners that live in Los Angeles, probably a lot of Patriot fans over there. If Tom Brady was to go to the Chargers, that place would sell out like that.
1: They got some weapons, too.
0: Weapons. Keenan Allen is a guy that is never talked about and is an absolute stud. I would assume Tom Telesco, who was formerly of the Colts, the GM, is known to be a stingy businessman. That's what he is. Bosa held out. Melvin Gordon held There's mm-hmm. a there's a stingy business. But when you're talking about the GOAT, Not only saving your team on the field, but potentially saving your franchise if you're the Spanos family. I think the L.A. Chargers are going to throw everything they could possibly throw at him. And I said this on October 24th. October 24th, I said this. Now, I know Collinsworth is saying it, and others are saying it now. October 24th, whenever we learned that Tom Brady opted out of the contract, we started looking around at places that would be a good home for Tom Brady. Everything points to the Los Angeles Chargers. He trains out there. I would assume Giselle likes it out there. TB12 would crush out there in Los Angeles. All signs point to the Chargers. It's just whether or not the Patriots will lure him back to being in New England.
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. because I I don't buy like oh we can plug in Jarrett Stidham and we're going to be the same like that that people is people are saying he, he looked good in preseason yeah that's not how it works like yeah they can be happy with him but guess what like the dynasty dies if Brady leaves it just does I mean
0: oh, quote that
1: yeah go ahead and quote it because Jarrett Stidham isn't going to lead him to a Super Bowl next year like that it just isn't going to happen and the reason I think it also is kind of dead and the writing is on the wall like that was just a different Patriots. In the playoffs, that was a different Patriots team than we've ever seen. Right. Edelman dropping balls on third down. They look like disinterested. They it. they did, not being able to get off the field on third down when they always do, you know, getting stuffed in the red zone like that. It's just hey. those are the plays over the last 20 years that the Patriots always succeed at, and they just,
0: they just don't anymore. You know what? Hmm. You know what time it is? Hmm. Moment of silence for the Patriots dynasty. Yep. Dead, 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 dead. (laughs) I think they're dead. I think Tom Brady legitimately thinking about leaving. I didn't think there was – I mean, we said the Chargers on October 24th just because, you know, like whenever you start seeing things line up, you're on the Stars line, you're like, yeah, that would make sense, man. Especially with the Rams who had to overpay golf, so they couldn't pay the offensive line, which is now reaping the benefit in Tennessee for that. Their team looked kind of dumpy this year. Los Angeles people don't deal with losing well. I mean – Nobody deals with losing well, but especially whenever you have, like, 45 beaches as options. Exactly. I mean, it's hard to keep fans in a city that has a lot of options. I'm not saying that the Rams fans won't be diehard out there. I'm just saying if a new toy comes to town and starts winning, it could be very easy for anybody, including me, if I live there, to be like, you know what? Ah, I'm a Chargers fan now. Yeah. And that's where they're at in the world in L.A., winning over fan bases, winning and building a franchise in Los Angeles. And what better way to do it than having the greatest of all time be your quarterback? Whenever Peyton left Indianapolis when he got cut, there was a lot of rumors. They were never legitimized, so I can't say this as like a, a matter of fact. But there was always these murmurs in a group text I was in with a lot of players that was like, think the NFL wants Peyton to go to the Rams because they're a brand new team in Los Angeles. Sure. And they would want Peyton Manning's face to be in Los Angeles. I would assume those same rumors or murmurs are being talked about with Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, leading the Los Angeles Chargers in a city where they have not had much success, both on the field or off the field. I mean, it would be, uh, it just makes too much sense. It's that, like That press conference, Ty, that press conference, what are the chances of you retiring? Uh, pretty unlikely, hopefully unlikely. And then when he gave his old thank you, now that lady asking... (laughs) <laughs> Bill Belichick to thank the fans and yeah. Tom to thank the fans <laughs> through thick and thin was, I mean, that was a terrible question, but I, I, I like the fact that she was trying to get a social media clip for them to thank the fans. I just don't know if press conferences are the place to do it, maybe, like, on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can you give a thanks to the fans, like Mike Zimmer did. Right. In, in, in the locker room. In the locker room, <laughs> yeah. Which I could respect, but him thanking them and, like, saying how good it was and him opting out of the contract, I think, is the biggest deal here. Him wanting to control his... His destiny mm-hmm. is massive piece of leverage for Tom Brady. Godspeed to him. I, I'm excited to see what unfolds here because, boy, we could see some assholes just completely imploding. I mean, I guess Tom Brady jerseys are already being Yeah, people are lighting them on fire. <laughs> They're the best, dude. I mean— Those people are the best. We had the winningest decade in NFL history in Indianapolis. That year where Peyton had uh, the fused neck and we had Curtis Painter, mm-hmm. uh, Kerry Collins for a game and a half, and then Orlovsky. People were showing up with bags over their heads. <laughs> It's like, yo, man, will you take it easy? Literally just had 11 wins for the last decade. Bags over their head, saying they're embarrassed. It's like, I'm embarrassed, too, to be out here. We're about to break a punting record, but can you just, for a minute and a half, can we understand and get a little uh, 30,000-foot view of this whole thing? Exactly. Them burning Tom Brady's jerseys. I hope Tom Brady's seen that. If he he did, he's gone. And if if you're the Spanos family, you are flooding his Facebook his Instagram, his Twitter with videos of the jersey being burnt. If you're Spanos, you're like, listen, Tom, look what they're doing to you. We don't even have fans to burn jerseys over here. We'll retire it right now hey, if you want you, us, you yeah. went to You want the twelve? You'll be the only player in the history of the Chargers to wear twelve. You got it. All right. Oh yeah. Takes on, takes on takes. Well good shit, man. Wildcard weekend was awesome. A lot of news in the NFL. I mean, the College Football National Championship is six days away. I mean, it's a hot time to be talking about the football, and I'm pumped about it. But before we get back into any of that conversation, I got to ask you one question. Are you like me and have a shit ton of stuff? Lots of stuff. Stuff you no longer use or maybe never have used. Stuff that doesn't spark joy in your life. Now that the new year is here, it's finally time to deal with it all. And I'm not talking about hiding it in a closet or kicking it under your bed. I'm talking about selling it. You know, Mercari, the selling app that makes selling almost anything fast and easy. So here's where you begin. You go through your home and find all the stuff that you didn't use in 2019. The phone in the drawer, those jeans you only wore once, the handbag hiding in the back of your closet. Listing takes minutes. You just take a few pics, add a description, and boom, your item is connected to millions of buyers on the app. Mercari will even email you a shipping label when it sells. Everything ships so there are no awkward meetups with any weird strangers. Which is great. For everybody. The app has over 500,000 reviews on the App Store with an average 4.8 star rating. So why not give it a, tr- that's a lot of reviews and that's a lot of, a lot of stars. Good for Mercari, helping people clean up their lives and profit from it. Ring in the new year with less stuff in your home and more money in your pocket with Mercari. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Mercari, the selling app. Sell your shit. Joining us now to talk about not only that, but all things that happened in an incredible wild card weekend. We had overtimes. We had big plays. We had a monkey get off the back of Kirk Cousins. And we potentially saw a dynasty fall to break it all down. A man who's a Super Bowl champ, all pro, entrepreneur, incredible friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Schlereth. Stink, hey, how are you, buddy? Stink, life is good. Let's get to the news that just broke about an hour and eight minutes ago. Mike McCarthy, new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Are you excited about that? Did they get the right guy? I think they did.
3: Yeah, no, I'm excited about. It. I mean, Mike McCarthy's a great football coach. Like my first thought process though was he spent the night at Jerry's house. Like. <laughs> yeah. is that, like Oh, you spent the night at Jerry's house? Like did he walk away from that in the morning, like late morning after breakfast? Was it like the walk of shame? Did he have like did he have like his T shirt and his underpants in his hands as he's walking down, you know, back to the hotel? Like I I just, just in his sock feet. I don't know what went down there, but uh, good for Jerry Jones. Hey, listen, here's the deal though. I hated the process. Yeah. Like I hated the whole I hated the whole process. Like if you know you're leaving from your coach, you know you're gonna move on. Fire your damn coach before you get into bed with the next group of coaches that you bring in. Yeah. Like, I just think the dysfunction there, and this is the Cowboys. This isn't is commentary on Mike McCarthy. This is a commentary on the Cowboys. You know, here's my thought process, and I've got a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans that are like, well, it doesn't matter. Jason Garrett's uh, contract was going to be up uh, in, in January 14th, anyhow. Like, there's no right way to do something wrong. And it is wrong to have a dalliance with other coaches while you still have a guy under contract, even if his contract is going to expire in two weeks. So that's just the wrong way to do it. Not, I would give you this analogy. Like, if your dog takes a dump in the living room, do you, do you correct your dog and then do you clean it up? or do you just let it sit there for a couple of weeks <laughs> like well, which one do you do you clean your do you clean that crap up and, and like so my thought process from them is the Dallas Cowboys regardless of who their coaches they will never have any success because of the dysfunction of the organization when your owner circumvents the authority of your head coach and all they have to see is how this plays out if your head coach consistently emasculates It cuts the nuts off of your
0: head coach if your owner does. (laughs) You're never going to have any success anyhow. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that with McCarthy. He's a yinzer. The guy seems to be a bit hard-nosed. But apparently it had been leaked, and I don't know who leaked this, that every time Jerry wanted to tell him he was relieved of his duty, Jason Garrett would beg and almost cry and say, no, no, I would like to retry to earn this position. And Jerry, I guess, cares for Jason Garrett, would say, all right, we'll meet tomorrow then. And it just kind of lingered until he has another coach sleeping at his house, and all of a sudden Jason Garrett just can't take it anymore.
3: (laughs) Right. At some point, if if that's true, like if Jason Kerr broke down in tears every time that Jerry went to try to fire him, he's not the right guy for the job anyhow, right? Well, we all know I mean,
4: that. Like, right?
3: I mean, if you're going to sit there and cry about it, I mean, uh, anyhow, I, I don't know. I just think, I think that organization, and this goes back when Jerry wasn't getting his shine and Jimmy Johnson was the head coach. Like, I think this goes all the way back to then. If you continually... If you continually emasculate your head coach, you know, we've got this thing going on in Washington, right, with uh, Daniel Snyder. I mean, when that's your owner, and you're basically going to have a back staircase to the owner's office for the players to go and complain about the guy who's coaching them, you will never win.
0: You just won't. I didn't know that happened, but I think Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy – two very accomplished head coaches. I think they'll be able to stand up to their uh, owners, but we said that about Parcells. I'd assume he wasn't able to do it. Let's move on. Let's talk about some actual football. Wildcard weekend was a thing of beauty. That Vikings Saints game was awesome. That Vikings defense looked incredible. They looked like they looked in the first half of the season. If they can remain hot, they might be the new favorite in the NFC, to be completely honest with you, especially now with Kirk Cousin having that monkey off his back. What did you take from that game? It went to overtime obviously Adam Thielen makes a big play Drew Brees almost looked amateur and I think it's because of how that defense played what did you take away from that Vikings Saints game and how do you feel about the Vikings moving forward
3: I, I'm a I'm a fan of the Vikings I think defensively you nailed it they, they were great and you go back to that I think it was a Monday night game against the Packers where the Packers beat them and offensively Kirk Cousins and that offense didn't do anything their defense was really good that game I mean they tied up Aaron Rodgers in that game and you look at them they have the ability um, that very few defensives have I think Seattle has this as well they have the ability to dictate to you meaning when you get into three wide formations you get into spread formations they don't have to get out of their base they can run in with three they can run in with three linebackers and they can say hey we're going to match you because we've got coverage skills from Eric Hendricks, from Anthony Barr uh from Wilson that we've got the coverage skills out there at the linebacker position. That we don't have to get into nickel situations, so we can we can cover you from that. But what happens to a lot of teams is they have to get into nickel situations, playing one linebacker or two linebackers. And what ends up happening is teams run it down your throats because you're not big enough anymore. So they're they're unique that way. They weigh the, 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 the huh. way they rush the passer, the way they can dictate to an offense that way. That really makes them a tough matchup for people. And then the Kirk Cousins thing was, was incredible. The way they ran the football, um, you know, the way, they, the way that Kirk Cousins made plays in, in, like, crunch time situations, something that, you know, was always part of, you know, part of that recipe. But it was interesting because I did their Week 17 game, and they didn't play anybody. And so I'm talking to Mike Zimmer, who's their head coach, obviously. And I said, Mike, I mean, this is, I'm shocked that you're not going to play your offense as bad as they were in week 16 against the Packers. And he goes, trust me, I want to punish them. I mean, I'm seeing a red. I want to, I want to make all those sons of bitches go out there and play the entirety of the game, like to punish them. And he goes, what I had to come to grips with, and I think this is brilliant, right? And he goes, I had to come to grips with the fact that I looked at their, their previous 10 games in their previous 10 games, they went eight and two. And I go, are we or he says, are we the team that went eight and two in their last ten games? Or are we the team that didn't show up and got their asses whipped by Green Bay? Huh? And he goes, ultimately, ultimately I decided we were the team that went eight and two. And that's why I didn't play my starting offense. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I go, this is either gonna be the greatest decision ever if you go to New Orleans and win, or it's gonna be the worst decision in the history of football <laughs> if you go to New Orleans. And your team doesn't play well offensively. And obviously, they played exceptionally well. Uh, really happy for the Vikings, but uh, really happy for Kirk Cousins because. You know, he's had to listen to that garbage forever about how he can't play during the big games.
0: Well, it's kind of warranted. I mean, primetime, Kirk was born in Dallas, and then obviously that Packer game looked bad. Zimmer putting his big boy pants on, though, and looking it from a macro and saying, hey, we're 8-2, and two, we had one bad game, is a massive, massive coaching decision. Good for him doing that. You get Dalvin Cook back, that changes everything. Defenses now have to be worried about the run game at all times. That opens things up for Rudolph, Thielen, and Stephon Diggs, who acted wild on the sideline being up in a game in a playoff game where your stats don't matter. I don't love that. Xavier Rhodes still that. Let's talk about Kyle Rudolph in the end zone there. The final play of the game. A lot of people are upset. Obviously Saints fans are upset because a rule was instituted because of what happened to the Saints just a year ago with reviewing of pass interference. Alberto Riveron... They said they took a look at it, but they didn't even pause to review it at all. There seemed to be some hand jousting. I'm not sure they could have overturned the call on the field, whatever it was, whether it was pass interference or not pass interference in this particular case. But do you think they should have optically just took and, uh, taken a little bit of a second look at that so the Saints fans would be like, all right, at least they reviewed it a little bit, as opposed to as quickly as it happened?
3: No, I just, like, I'm like... Hey, there was hand fighting. There was a grab by the DB before the push off. So <laughs> like, there's a, there's enough hand fighting going on there. Here's what I thought. I thought it was the ultimate in karma because Sean Payton's on the competition committee. Sean Payton whined and, and basically got that rule railroaded through in the first place because of what happened to them the year before against the Rams. Right now, yep. so there was plenty of opportunity. You threw a ball on first down. Where you could have eaten up the clock and given the Rams no time to come back in that game, so you mismanaged the clock or mismanaged your play calling. You got that rant, that that rule rammed through, which the NFL clearly didn't want to run through. They clearly, I mean, they haven't overturned anything all season long, anyhow. Yep. So they had no intention. Uh, they have no intention of this rule sticking. This was, a, this was one of those rules they put in to see exactly how it goes, and they can take it off. This is coming off the board regardless. Huh. So they had no intention of this rule ever actually sticking and becoming a permanent rule. So, you know, I thought it was kind of karma. Like, like exactly what happened to you to railroad this rule through that nobody wanted in the NFL to, to be in, in place and anyhow um, is, is going to be the rule that essentially gets dumped because – there wasn't enough evidence there for, in their minds anyhow. I just thought it was kind of karma. I think you got the rule rammed through, and it came back to bite you in the ass.
0: <laughs> well, I think the Saints fans will be like, well, we got the rule railroaded through for this particular situation, but it is kind of karma coming back. Three years straight, the Drew Brees and the Saints – lose on walk-off touchdowns or scoring plays. That's tough. Let's move forward to the other massive story from Wild Card Weekend. Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans in that incredible run game, in that great defense and good special teams, went into Gillette Stadium, Foxborough, with a winter storm warning Wild Card Weekend and potentially toppled a dynasty. How do you feel the future fares for the New England Patriots? Tom Brady, and do you think the Titans have a shot against the Baltimore Ravens? who have looked unstoppable
3: yeah well i i think that obviously the titans because they're constructed very much like the baltimore ravens are constructed they're Mm -hmm. they're going to run the ball they're going to eat up clock. you know they're going to make this thing they're going to make this thing a seven possession you know a seven possession game for each offense like Mm -hmm. a normal nfl game is about 12 possessions they're going to be about seven per so it's about efficiency and you know, what you do with it, um, obviously, anytime you go into a situation like that, you've got an opportunity. The Ravens are incredible with what they're able to do, and, and their run game is, is, you know, second to none. So, obviously, I'll take the Ravens. But, shoot, every game I pick this weekend, anyhow, I went the opposite way. So, what the <laughs> hell do I know? Uh, uh, so, but, but you know, it was, it was an incredible game. When you kind of take the fact that Rabel played there forever was – kind of unceremoniously dumped to Kansas City and you know and that was, you know, hurtful for him. I, I just thought it was cool using the Belichick against Belichick, you know, using the uh, eat up the clock with that inside five minute rule or outside five minute rule uh on the uh, you know on the on the punt delays of game and offside. So I just thought all that was all that was really cool. Tom Brady can still freaking play. I mean forty three years uh, old he will be in August. He's, his his skill set has not diminished like everybody is. So I I just I find it fascinating. Everybody's ready to write somebody's obituary that hasn't died yet. Um, you know, and and I get it. They've won. I mean, I hope. Like I live here in Denver, I hope. That for the next two decades we can win so much that when it ends that everybody is just taking you know taking shots and that everybody is is celebrating like the wicked witch of the west is dead you know I hope that happens to us I hope every NFL team hopes that that happens to them so uh, I think Brady will play I, I you know I don't think I, I do not think it's going to be in New England I, oh! I feel like it's going to be I feel like it's going to be uh, in L.A. for the Chargers yeah. Yeah. If I had to put money on it, that's that's probably Indy makes a little bit of sense to me. Um, you know, package deal with Josh McDaniels, wherever Josh McDaniels goes, but I feel like the Chargers is is the one place to me that I think it's uh that I think he has the best chance of landing.
0: Well, great minds think alike, my brother. I think the same exact thing. I can't thank you enough for joining us, Stink. You. You're the, you're the best. How's that chili going? is going good, brother, uh,
3: and it's for sale if you'd like to buy a
4: cup.
3: You I mean, you've got, you know what, you've got 17 jobs, Pat, so you must be raking it in. I got, I'll give you a
0: great deal on it. Alright, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll talk about that off-air. Ladies and gentlemen, legend Mark Stink Schlerer. Thank you, brother. Ah, He's the best, dude. The Seattle Seahawks had to travel across the country to play the Philadelphia Eagles just yesterday. And DK Metcalf is a man that everybody passed on. At the combine his physical specimen and the photos of him and his 40 were something that were just alarming. I mean it was next level. He ran a 4340 at six foot four 229 pounds. To put that in perspective. I'm 61255. He is 64 229 chiseled. He is what my after photo will never ever be. He is a monster. His three-cone drill, though, was slower than Tom Brady, and for some reason, even though his dad was an NFL offensive lineman, it's in his genetics to be an NFL player, he was slept on by everybody until the second round when the Seattle Seahawks stole him. Start out a little slow, got hurt, and yesterday was his coming out party to the world, letting everybody know that although I've made some big plays this season thus far, whenever the game was on the line, third and ten, fourth quarter, Russell Wilson threw a whole up, and DK Metcalf perfectly judged that thing. One up, high pointed that, end the game, stood up, chucked the deuce to all of Philadelphia and walked off the field. Seattle Seahawks being an Eagles team that was wounded. They were not only a wounded bird, they were barely, barely surviving. Josh McCown started at ESPN just this year. Now he becomes backup quarterback for the Eagles. Now he starts playing because Carson Wentz, the only really healthy player that they've had all year, gets hurt on a disgusting shot from Jadavion Clowney. Now, I don't think Jadavion Clowney's intent was to go helmet to helmet. Some people do think that. I was on an ESPN this morning with Bart Scott. Bart Scott said to be that tall to get down that low, he had to do it on purpose to go helmet to helmet. I'm not saying that because that's quite an accusation to say that he did that on purpose. He was definitely going down to hit him late, though, and in a league that protects quarterbacks, for no flag to be thrown there, wild to me. I'm not saying Clowney meant to hit him in the head. I won't say that because that is... A very big accusation to say that a guy who's that large, that athletic, is diving, trying to spear somebody in the head. It was helmet-to-helmet contact, no matter how, what his intent was. It was a late shot, and Carson Wentz is a quarterback in the NFL who should be protected. Wasn't protected. No call. No nothing. Carson Wentz is out. McCown's in. Wounded bird. Gets even more hurt. They had no chance against the Seahawks. Russell Wilson, though, in the Seahawks. Loved it. I mean, Russell did an interview after the game, and he dropped 45 cliches in a minute and a half. Is that accurate, Foxy? Yes, sir. At least 45. Foxy cut up his interview, and it was 45 cliches. It was unbelievable how positive he was, and how right now cliches are cliche for a reason. They... they, They hold true in most cases. But the way Russell Wilson speaks turns a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's disingenuine. In my eyes, I think he's like that all the time, so it is genuine. Good for Russell Wilson getting that win. Now, they have to go to Lambeau against the Packers who've had a week off, who win games ugly. Fun little fact here I got from Hembo at ESPN this morning. The Green Bay Packers are the worst-ranked team at defending the deep ball, okay, in the playoffs right now. 20 yards or more, worst-ranked team. Seattle Seahawks, best team in the playoffs at the deep ball, 20-plus yards or more. They showed it last night. D.K. Metcalf scores a touchdown. D.K. Metcalf seals the game. D.K. Metcalf is a tough guy to defend no matter what. Are the Packers worried about the Seattle Seahawks, who just beat a wounded bird in Philadelphia, traveling into Lambeau and getting a win strictly because Russell Wilson has this unique ability to win games that they should not win? He has this incredible ability to throw a ball up into a place that his wide receiver can get it that nobody else can get it. If they can get pressure on Russell Wilson, I guess that is really everything, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: The Smith brothers have to be full effect.
1: exactly, because the... Marshawn Lynch being back, I mean, obviously for goal line mm. situations.
0: Can't believe I didn't even talk about that. Beast mode happened. Yeah. I, I don't think I've been happier watching a game that I wasn't involved in or uh, uh, I wasn't betting on like Marshawn Lynch scoring a touchdown from six yards out, bouncing off of somebody, steamrolling them, as if he was rolling out of a Escalade of Skittles in Canada to come do an interview with us. I love that Marshawn Lynch is back and looks pretty damn good. I'm just not 100% sure that's even going to be enough for the Packers.
1: Yeah, well, it just... So, yeah, the the deep ball, that definitely is something that they have struggled with all year, but I, but I don't see them getting burned on like four deep balls. Like, yeah, maybe one for a touchdown. But the Packers, and a lot of people are pointing to their recent success against the Seahawks at Lambeau. The, the, you know, in the last like five years, they're 4-0. But, I mean, you throw that out the window. They're completely different teams, especially with under a new coach and everything. I just think that the Seahawks just didn't really impress me yesterday. For all intents and purposes, the Eagles still – had a chance to go tie that game. The Eagles could have won that game. They Josh
0: cook. McCown gets sacked on fourth and seven, by the way, with the game on the line. That can't happen. Josh McCown knows that. By the way, Josh McCown, very emotional after the game. Mm-hmm. Would not have expected that from a guy. I guess he knew that was probably his last go. Right. Which, by the way, more power to him. Josh McCown, we're not getting enough credit for the athlete that he is, dude gets buckets. Mm -hmm. I mean, I posted a video on my Twitter last night, not a lot of people have seen before. He's a good athlete, he's a good teammate, he was at ESPN, now he's back in the league. He's just been good for that locker room, especially being banged up. He doesn't get sacked there on fourth and seven where they're in scoring range. They tie that game up, very banged up, very injured on a second string quarterback. That is the tell there for the Seattle Seahawks. And before that, they were on what,
1: like the thirty five yard line. They had that fourth and three. They threw that little swing pass, and you know they dry, like again. That's a they convert that fourth down. Yeah. They at least get a field goal there. Like Miles, I I don't know. It's just it's it's tough to say. Granted, Russell Wilson is so good that you can never count them out. But so is Aaron Rodgers. So is Aaron Rodgers exactly. And yes, the Seahawks are the best road team in the NFL this year, but but I still don't think you can discount how big of a deal it is playing at Lambeau in the playoffs. Supposed to be bad weather next week, swirling winds, snow. The the Seahawks aren't that great at stopping the run either. I think they're going to get a very heavy dosage of Aaron Jones.
0: Have you seen, just personality standpoint, two personalities that contrast each other more than Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers? (laughs) Aaron Rodgers Seems to hate everything media-wise. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson gets in there. He's ready to go. Looking for the he's ready to go. He crushes it. He dominates it. Aaron Rodgers is sick of hearing about how bad he is. He's sick of hearing how bad their team is. They're number two in the, in the NFC. They're one stop away from being the number one seed in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's fueled by spite, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he has a lot of to be fueled by this particular season. He just bought that house in Malibu. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be hitting golf balls out of it at some point. I'm putting that out there just so it hopefully happens. But he is at his point now where he said earlier this year that he could see hole 18. He knows there's not a lot of time left. in this team, with the Seahawks coming to town, I think is the best setup for them. Now, that deep ball can be scary, but if you can get pressure on Russell Wilson, you're good. For me, this feels like a Packers win at Lambeau, and I can't wait to watch it. Now, the Vikings-Niners... I'm not 100 sure the Vikings can't win that game. I like the Niners. We have a uh, we've had a station since day one in San Francisco. Yeah, and people have come after me for not being a Niners believer. At the beginning of the season, I wasn't because last year we were told how good the Niners was gonna, were going to be. Jimmy Zigged instead of Zag blew his knee out. They stunk. Mm-hmm. This year there was no hype going into the year, and that defense became ridiculous. Yeah, stingy to say the least. That team is very, very, very good. I love the Niners. Obviously, they're number 1 seed in the NFC for a reason. Santa Clara, George Kittle, Jimmy G, you name it. Hyde, they they got a great team over there. I just don't know if this Vikings defense stays hot, how they move the ball, and if Kirk Cousins, with all of his weapons, can move just a little bit with Dalvin Cook in the backfield. I mean, that's going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. I like the Vikings' chances more then I like the Seattle Seahawks' chances against the Green Bay Packers.
1: I agree, and I think that line opened up at San Francisco minus 7.5. That
0: feels awfully high. That's very, very high, but we don't know what we're going to get with the Vikings. Right. We have no idea what we're going to get with them. We just talked to Mark Schlayer just a little bit ago. He talked to Mike Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer said uh, they rested their players' in Week 17 after getting throttled Week 16 against the Packers. And Schleyer talked to Mike Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer said, I had to look at this from a bigger view. Yeah, we just got beat. I wanted to yell at him. But we're 8-2 and two in our last games, and we're doing well. So they have the chance if they piece it all together. Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Stephon Diggs, stop throwing helmets at sideline whenever you're up in the playoffs. It makes no sense to me how that happens. I, I don't fully understand how the culture in there can let that happen. Even with Xavier Rhodes yelling at people all the time when I watch Darius Butler's videos, it seems like a lot of it's Xavier Rhodes' fault. So mm-hmm. body language fines happen, I think, in there for him. If they can keep it together and play their best football, I think they could beat anybody. I think so, too. Yeah, that defense, what they made Drew Brees and that offense look like was a bad football team. I thought Drew Brees was going to hang 30-40 on them. Instead, it was just 20. Get to overtime. Needed a, needed a big drive to get to overtime with that 49 uh, uh, yard field goal uh, by Will Lutz. I think the, the Vikings, though, if they're playing all three phases well, can keep up with anybody. But that Niners team has earned that number one seed. I'm excited to watch that. Titans-Ravens, the over-under right now is at 46. I like the under a lot in this game. I think the Titans are going to commit to the run, and the Ravens are going to commit to doing what they do, which is just a Lamar Jackson show. Best offensive line in the game. They got weapons and tight ends. They got Hollywood Brown out there that extends it, and they got the best athlete on the football field anytime he steps on the football field in Lamar Jackson. But this Titans team, somehow, someway, has won games. Now, they struggled against Deshaun Watson whenever they played Deshaun Watson in meaningful games. I think that could lend a problem facing Lamar Jackson, but they just went up there into a very hostile place in a place that you could potentially get caught looking at the pinstripes like the Yankees, and they win a massive game toppling the dynasty. I think the Ravens win, but I think this one's going to be a lot closer and a lot lower scoring than people think, mostly because Vrabel and that team have taken on Vrabel's identity, which is just a hard-nosed, badass team that's ready to fight anybody. Do you put
1: anything into the fact that Tennessee has a lot of momentum right now? Now coming off that win and Lamar Jackson basically will not have played in three weeks by the, I mean, granted he's going to be healthier than he probably has been in a while, but Tennessee is, is you know, outside of the Vikings, is probably one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, just from a momentum standpoint. Yeah,
0: it's so interesting to think about resting your players and getting bye weeks and things like that because the outsider thinks, well, they don't get a chance. Uh, they could potentially fall out of their groove or their rhythm or something like that. But most NFL players think, I get two weeks to rest my body. Right. Yonda, Marshall Yonda, and the boys up front get a chance to rest their knees and their shoulders and maybe get reinvigorated for a run here, reinvigorated for a run here in the playoffs. I think ultimately, the The rest in the bye week is a present. It is a gift, and it is very well-deserved. Maybe the first drive or something, you might see them a little bit out of touch. But ultimately, in the end, the lack of conditioning and cardio that they had to do this past weekend, just get to relax, will end up helping them. I I think it's good. I would love a break. That's why bye weeks are so awesome. Mm -hmm. That's why next year with the 17-game season, I think they should have two bye weeks in a neutral site game, like we've been saying since the beginning. And Texans-Chiefs. That Texans-Bills game was... Was wide open. I, I mean, I did not expect that game to be the way it was. Josh Allen is electrifying to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like elect- you have no idea what's going to happen every single play. It's like watching Jameis Winston. You have no. Cl- Jameis Winston could keep both his team and the other team in the game at any given time. Mm-hmm. Thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. He says, "I'm balling." <laughs> look I, at my stats. Look at my stats. I'm balling. <laughs> Give me $30 Not a lot of self-awareness for Jameis, but we've known that Mm -hmm. ever since he ate the W and all the other stuff. But he did throw all over the yard because of Bruce Arian's offense and he can make every throw. He just had all his turnovers. It was fun to watch Jameis Winston, though, because at any given moment, all hell could break loose. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen feels the exact same way. That game was fun to watch. Not only do you have J.J. Watt back, unbelievable. I watched the feature... That they did on him in ESPN beforehand where he said the doctor gave him a little sliver of hope to get back, and J.J. Watt took that little sliver, put it on a door, and kicked the door down, because that's what J.J. Watt and the Watt family does. He was hitting hitting tires with sledgehammers and running sprints and all everything that J.J. Watt does. The fact that he got back in under two months for something that's supposed to be like four months is insane. And not only did he just come back, he made a, he had an effect on yeah. that game. J.J. Watt I hope he can stay healthy for longer because whenever he's playing football, it's better for the game. I mean, he is exhilarating to watch. It really is. But Josh Allen, it felt like every single play could have went to the house or every single play could have been a turnover going the other direction. That was fun to watch. Josh Allen's, I think, I don't want to say low football IQ or football immaturity. But his lack of experience, I think, hurt him late in that game. Right. And the Texans were able to get a win with Deshaun Watson there. But I think going into Arrowhead against a team that is stacked, just stacked, and their defense is starting to play good football. Mm -hmm. You got T. Sizzle back there. Probably getting back in shape a little bit for taking off a little bit in Arizona. I don't think he had a lot of t- a lot of plays out there. I think a lot, a lot of the things ran through Chandler Jones out there for good reason. He had like 20-some sacks or 20 sacks or whatever, 19, whatever the hell was. It was an insane amount of money. You got him, you got Tyron Matthew, and that offense can score on anybody. J.J. Watt's going to have to be a game wrecker up front. I mean, they're going to need him to do that. Mars, Whitney uh, Merciless is going to have to do well, but boy, I don't know how you keep up with the Chiefs if you're the Texans. I assume they're wondering the same thing. Although they beat them earlier this year. The Colts also beat the Chiefs earlier this year. I think the Chiefs have become a very different team now. And I think this is going to be a tough one for the Texans. Even though I like what the AFC South did. The AFC South on Saturday handled business. Texans win, Titans win, AFC South, all of a sudden a division that nobody wants to mess with. But this Chiefs team, especially with a week off, let Patty Mahomes rest that knee even more. Let Tyreek Hill rest it a little bit more. Maybe he's a little bit more explosive. Hardman, Kelsey, Watkins, LaShawn, I mean, you just go through the list of names that they have. I mean, that's going to be a tough one for the Texans. I honestly believe I thought the Bills were a better matchup. Yeah. Just strictly because the Bills defense has been able to corral people, but boy... I think three of these games are going to be very good games. I think the Texans-Chief game is potentially going to be a rout.
1: Yeah, I, I tweeted this on Sunday while watching the game when the Bills were up 16-0. I said the the Texans have to fire Bill O'Brien after this game, and I still think they should. Like, really, outside of... Nobody an, can fire. They don't, they don't have anybody that can fire. And, and that's the problem. But outside of Deshaun Watson just putting the team on his back and J.J. Watt making a couple of those very timely plays, like, they had no business winning that game. None whatsoever. The Bills outplayed them almost the entire game. And then, like you said, Josh Allen, Down the stretch, just kind of the moment got too big for him. But what was he doing tossing that ball? There's like a
0: minute 20 left, pal. You got a timeout, too. (laughs) There was no one behind him either. And you're a quarterback, you're supposed to be good at tossing a football to somebody. He was nowhere near, he missed that guy by five, ten yards. I have no idea what happened there, but, I th- but trying to make a play.
1: And I think you're right. You know, like yeah, the, the Texans beat the Chiefs earlier this year. That might as well have been a lifetime ago. They, might as they well. not the same teams whatsoever. I would be the. I like the Chiefs to win by. And I don't know what the line is right now. I I might take an alternate line of them, like minus twenty one.
0: I honestly believe that, and I I don't like that we agree because normally if a lot of people are thinking something, there's no chance of it happening. But boy, the... <laughs> it's just tough it just, not
1: to after this weekend. The it, eye test just says that they're going to beat the hell out of them.
0: Now, JJ said that all they needed there whenever they were down was a spark. Mm-hmm. Was it 16-3 or something they were down? I think? It, was, it was 16-0, but yeah. Down 16, the Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. All we needed was a spark. Anytime you have D4, you have a chance of being a game. And I think Deshaun Watson is one of the most competitive individuals I've ever seen. That play where he gets speared in the front and the back at full speed, spins out, makes a play so they go on and win, was magnificent. Phenomenal. Nothing short of that. Deshaun Watson, although Dabo Swinney called him Michael Jordan when he was coming out, I do believe he is damn – he's not Michael Jordan, but no. he is incredible at football. Mm-hmm. But if you're down 16-zip to the Bills and you need a spark to get going, if you get down to the Chiefs, you're not catching up. All game. I, don't, I don't think you're catching up to nope. the Because Andy Reid had an off week. Andy Reid could have drew up about 45 more plays, and all the plays work because of how many weapons they have. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how the Texans have. I'm excited to watch. Any given Sunday or Saturday, whatever day they're playing, is possible. I understand that. But this Chiefs team, I think they're excited for their matchup. I don't think they wanted the Bills. I think they're excited that the Texans are coming to town. According to FanDuel, Chiefs minus 10, it opens at. Yeah, see, that's a massive spread. It is. That is a massive spread for a playoff game. 10-10. That's going to go up, too. It might. I think it's going to go up, which kind of scares me now that I think about it. But this Chiefs team, fresh, rejuvenated, new plays being drawn by old Andy Reid. I mean, it's going to be like a beautiful mind. I think we're, uh, we're running right into what we always wanted. Chiefs are scoring touchdowns in the red zone there, uh, not kicking field goals. So, And they're scoring touchdowns from their own 10. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> that the Chiefs are, I think the Chiefs-Ravens are what we're in for, but I'm excited to watch that Titans-Ravens game. I think the Packers get a win over the Seahawks, and I think that Vikings-Niners game is a toss-up. I have no idea what's going to happen because we don't know what Vikings team is going to show up. Right. If the Vikings team that could shut out and shut up Drew Brees, which is not didn't shut him out, but basically it made him look like an amateur. Mm-hmm. If that team shows up, we got a good one in Santa Clara. I'm pumped for that. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. not only is today's show delicious <laughs> there's a snack that has been around and been delicious for so long and it's the same snack that'll be so delicious and so righteous long after we're gone from your friends at Kellogg's, it's the thing you absolutely love to snack on—the cheesy, crunchy, satisfying snack that is the official sponsor of college football playoff. That is Cheez It. Yes, Cheez It is damn good. The OG Cheez It tastes flawless. They have so many more recipes and flavors. They have something for everybody, and it's the perfect texture it's the perfect snack it's cheesy crunchy satisfaction and now Cheez it is an official sponsor of the college football playoff official sponsor and official snack of bowl season in general and it's been a great one and on monday night as lsu takes on clemson you should be snacking on the greatest snack of all time Cheez it i got a chance to go to the cheese it bowl I was the master of cheese. The M-cheese, if you will. It was obviously a first-class operation, because that's what cheese it does. The Air Force Falcons beat the Washington State Cougars, but there was enough cheese it to go around the Phoenix and Arizona area, and there wasn't a single frown in sight. Go stock up on some cheese it so you can enjoy it during the college football championship. Who do you think is going to win? LSU? Clemson, wrong. Your taste buds are the winners here because you're going to be chewing the perfect snack to watch football. Cheese It. Big shout out to Cheese It not only sponsoring this show and sponsoring the college football playoff and being the official snack of bowl season, but for being so damn delicious all the time. Cheese It, you're the best. Mike McCarthy who slept over Jerry Jones' house on Saturday night, is now officially the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Jerry Jones was sleeping with Mike McCarthy the same time Jason Garrett had not been officially released yet. I respect that from Jerry and from McCarthy. Let's see how each other are. Let me get a A tour of the villa first. Let's see how the Dallas compound goes. Congratulations to both of them. I think it's a good hire. A man who has has had his nose to the grindstone in this revolving situation involving Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones is on the phone. Tone Diggs, what do you think about the whole thing?
4: So when it came out this weekend that Jerry Jones was actually trying to fire Jason Garrett, and Jason Garrett was begging for his job and actually possibly crying when that's all that we were saying last week. Like, I was 75% joking that I thought Jason Garrett was crying in these meetings and begging for his job to stay, like an ex-girlfriend trying to stay in a relationship. Or boyfriend. Or Or boyfriend. Yeah, or boyfriend. Or boyfriend. That's on me. I can't believe that that was actually happening. Like, Jason Garrett have a little bit of pride. Have a little bit of pride in yourself. Maybe he knows that he's never going to get hired again as a head coach anywhere else, but... That's just not
0: that's just not a good look for Jason Garrett. Do you think, Mike, I agree. It's, I mean, the fact that it's come out, by the way, Jerry Jones says that he likes to treat it as a family. He views Jason Garrett as his son. Well, somebody that was in that room doesn't view him as a son because them leaking that information to Jay Glazer <laughs> is just a burial of Jason Garrett saying he was begging, wouldn't do that stuff. Now, granted, I would beg for my job, too, if I was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and I'd been mediocre for nine years and they're paying me a lot of money and I'm on TV and my life is set up and stuff like that. I, I, don't, I don't judge Jason Garrett for that. Just the fact, though, that it does happen exactly how we thought it would potentially happen is very hilarious. I mean, the the story, the news spin was Jason Garrett is trying to handle this delicately and so, or Jerry Jones was trying to handle this delicately. No, no, that, Jerry Jones was trying to fire him day one and Jason yeah. was like, please, no. And Jerry's like, damn, come back tomorrow. Get those, get those tears out of your eyes.
4: I think it was probably actually McCarthy who leaked that Jason Garrett was doing this. I assume... <laughs> In this whole cucking situation, Jason Garrett was in the corner of all these meetings and probably the sleepover with McCarthy. (laughs) Probably filming it for future use. And I assume McCarthy was weirded out by the whole situation. He probably leaked it
0: himself. Okay, so um, let's move forward now. You know how the NFL loves to hire former NFL head coaches. I mean, Ron Mm -hmm. Rivera was on the, the line for any head coaching gig that he wanted. McCarthy has got a job now. Jason Garrett, although he was incredibly average at Dallas for eight years, do you see him? getting a head coaching gig again like let's say in Cleveland, Ohio.
4: Oh, that would be awesome. So, so now <laughs> the Cowboys interviewed Marvin Lewis and that's who I wanted them to get because replacing Jason Garrett whose issue was being mediocre with the most mediocre coach of all time, 16 years, 131 and 122-0 and 7 playoff record, Marvin Lewis would have been a dream scenario for me. Now, I think Cleveland is a good spot for Marvin Lewis or Jason Garrett because mediocre for them is a huge upgrade. So I think that's a, that's a positive for Cleveland if they bring either two of those in. I think McCarthy was an uh, incredible hire, though, for the Cowboys. Like McCarthy, 13 years in, in Green Bay, 125 and 77. If you take out his year 12 and 13 when Aaron was calling his own plays and there was some rift going on there, he had the second-best win percentage in the NFL. He gets fired, he takes a look in the mirror, he goes to a coaching black site, He looks and he gets all of his staff together, he stays on top of things. I think McCarthy is incredible for this job. I'm excited to see if Jerry does like a King Henry V arranged marriage with Kellen Moore or he lets McCarthy bring in whoever he wants to be, his O.C., because McCarthy calls his own plays, so right. I think that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah, Kellen uh, Moore's out of there quicker than anybody could say Kellen Moore's to, out of there. Has to be. Has to be. All right, well, I agree with everything you just said. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that they got it right with Mike McCarthy. I thought McCarthy was going to Cleveland. Now, granted, this is... uh, The Haslams, I guess, are just notorious at being complete failures at running a a good operation, a good organization. I thought McCarthy was going to end up at Cleveland. The fact that Dallas gets him, because of a sleepover at Jerry's house, good for the Dallas Cowboys, good for the Dallas Cowboys fans, who, you know, they have it very rough. Every year they expect to win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Every year they yell at everybody else about how good they are. In every single year, they stink. Now, with a guy who's been there, done that, they have a chance to actually be good. Good for the Cowboys fans. Good for Mike McCarthy. Yens are getting back in charge.
1: All right. Yeah, well, sorry, I thought Diggs was still on the line. So lie. Yeah. you <laughs> um, don't
0: hung up on him. I love that.
1: <laughs> but I think uh, McCarthy had kind of like the inside track too, because he and Jason Garrett had the same agent. So I wonder if he oh. was. Yeah. So I wonder if he wasn't just like, hey. I know Cleveland wants to bring you in for an interview. Hang tight. Jerry's getting rid of Jason today, and they want to bring you in. How much do you love Richard
0: Sherman attacking agents, by the way? Oh, it's the best. All weekend. For those that aren't on the internet that much, Richard Sherman hit all of his incentives that he negotiated into a contract himself for the San Francisco 49ers just a couple years ago. Whenever he negotiated his own contract, everybody who has an agent or everybody that is linked to agents came out and said that Richard Sherman was a buffoon, an idiot for neg- negotiating his own deal the Niners got the best of them this year Richard Sherman is just raking in incentives that he bet on himself he negotiated his own contract and he is holding receipts and anybody can get some him and pro football talks Mike Florio I thought we're gonna end up in court together might still happen I'm happy for Richard Sherman I don't recommend it for everybody to negotiate their own deal. Richard Sherman, very intelligent human being, knows his worth. It's worked out for him. I'm happy for him, and I'm also happy for the fact that he got a chance to just troll a lot of people that talked bad about him years ago. I love a good vendetta revenge case.
1: Do you think that this will start becoming more normal, or do you think it's it's still the same thing? Like he bet on himself, and he's obviously an incredible like generational talent, so it worked out for him. But you see a lot of guys trying to do this and getting hit in so. the ass. Agents.
0: Agents yeah. have a purpose mm-hmm. if if they're working, you know? Right. Like we just, I just signed with an. I've I, I fired a lot of agents when I was in the NFL because I didn't think they were doing anything. And anytime it comes out that you fire an agent, the agents got their hands in everything. So the agents are like, this person's bad for firing an agent, right? They have to remain relevant and important. I got agents right, Kuhn and uh, Kuhn and Klein. Mm-hmm. They've helped me out a lot this year, so I respect the hell out of them. But I think there's a lot of agents that are bad that are only in it for themselves. They fluff up numbers that are impossible. that get leaked and and reported that players will never touch. But I think if you find a good agent, you got to hang on to. But there's a lot of bad agents out there, and I I like that Richard Sherman's doing. I don't think this is going to become a normal thing. Uh, Let's get to the phones here real quick before we got to get out of here in two minutes. You said there somebody had a song about Tom Brady, Zito? Yes, sir. Let me uh, pull him up real quick. All right, a guy sang a song about Tom Brady potentially leaving. That'll be good. I'm excited for this. Line one, we have uh, Mr. uh, Ben from Virginia. Hey, Ben, what's going on, pal? We got like a minute and a half left. I have heard you got a song. I can't wait to hear it. I love a good sing along.
4: Me too, buddy. But uh here's a here's a song.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa!
4: Brady's crying. Whoa, Brady's, Brady's crying. crying. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
0: yeah, love it. And that was it. That was no,
2: it. Oh come
0: it on, on, Ben! Get knocked Z- out, but Z- hang up on, you <laughs> know. Uh, I don't think Brady was crying at he all. He
1: wasn't. He was actually grinning. In yeah, the- he was
0: actually <laughs> smiling. He looked like content. He looked ready to go. I like the thought of Ben bringing in a little remix there for him, but I'm not sure Tom Brady's coming back. He's in a good spot leverage-wise. Everybody knows he's the GOAT. Any general manager would want a piece of Tom Brady if he has anything left, which he does. I just don't know if the New England Patriots are the place he's going to be, bub.
1: Well, and for you, like, did you look forward to that, that first time when like— what- No! So, I wasn't Tom Brady. Well, that, that's what I mean, though. Like,
0: just w- most guys, do they look forward to that? It's like, hey, depends now I'm on the open market. Like, it depends who you are. For me, I mean, we just got a brand new GM right. who was not a fan of mine, <laughs> and I was not Tom Brady or anything like that. So I didn't love the thought of going into the open market. I loved Indianapolis. I loved Indiana. I didn't want to move. I ended up getting franchise tagged, mm-hmm. which added it another year. But there's a lot of guys who know their worth, and if they're like studs, know that a lot of people are going to be shopping, that's got to feel very good. Right. Like for us, whenever our media contracts are up. Yeah. That's going to feel very good. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to feel very, very good. <laughs> and I'm pretty pumped up about that. All right. That's the show. I can't wait to talk to you guys on Thursday. Full, unedited, raw. Conversation with Steve-O from Jackass coming on Thursday. More chitter-chatter about where coaches land at. More chitter-chatter about the divisional round coming up. College football. Life in general. All things are going well. And we can't wait to chat with you on Thursday. Tweet me. Say, hey, at Pat McAfee Show. What's going on? Hey, at Ty Schmidt. Good luck to your Packers. Hey, at Evan Foxy. Sweet haircut, bro. Hey, at Tone Diggs. Hey, at Boston Connor. Hey, at Nick Moraldo. What's going on, boys? At Todd McComas. At Phil Maines. You get it. We want to hear from you. We're very appreciative of you. You're the greatest. Thanks for listening. Ty Schmidt plays some independent music.